Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hey friends, Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America. We are together on another day when we are expressing our love for this country and our our conviction about the principles on which it was founded. So thanks for spending some time with me. We are going to pray for America and for you. We're going to look at the Word of God and talk about some recent developments in our country that have a lot to do with the good of America, including the uh, Supreme Court nominee and uh, also the, the President Trump rally that took place the other night in Michigan. I sure hope you saw that on RSBN or on our own channel, our special website, presidenttrumprallies.com. If you didn't see Saturday night's speech, I urge you to watch it and share it with us. I'm going to share with you some highlights from the the speech as well. So um, let's go first to scripture, and I'd like to read a passage from John 13 where Jesus says, starting in verse 31, when he had left, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little while longer. You will look for me, and as I told the Jews, where I go, you cannot come. So now I say it to you. I give you a new commandment. Love one another. As I have loved you, so also you should love one another. This is how all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Let us pray. Father, we have the love that your Spirit inspires and that your Son exemplifies. We have the love that comes from you, not from our own power, and we embrace that strength that you give us to give ourselves away for one another as your Son gave himself away for us on the cross. It is that kind of love, Lord, that founded our nation. It is that kind of love that inspires those who adhere to its principles, to the self-evident truths, to the God-given rights on which our country rests. So, Lord, we thank you for the power of love, which is the power then to secure the rights of others, to secure their good today and into the future, to secure the good of our children and children's children. Lord, to have the love of our country, which is a form of love of one another. Because, Lord, when we love our country, it is because we love the people who live here now and will live here in the future and who want to live according to the principles of our founding. Send us your Spirit, for of our own power we cannot love each other as you have loved us. Send us your Spirit to give us the supernatural power to do so. And the supernatural power, Lord, to persevere in the love and the defense of a nation that is great and that we want to make great again. We pray through Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
Amen. Amen. So, Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson, of course, is in the news. Let me read for you some portions of a letter that I signed on to together with a number of other conservative leaders opposing her confirmation to the Supreme Court. It was sent to the senators, and here are some excerpts from it. Dear Senator, as you are aware, the United States Senate will vote on Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson's confirmation to the Supreme Court of the United States in the coming days. We respectfully request that you vote no on her confirmation for three reasons. First, she has demonstrated her willingness to pander to the radical left by refusing to provide the definition of the word woman. Second, she has failed to demonstrate that she would forsake the anti-constitutional practice of legislating from the bench. And third, Judge Jackson has consistently issued lenient sentences to child porn offenders. Okay, then the letter goes into each of these three points in a little bit more detail. Number one, Judge Jackson failed to define the word woman. In her testimony before the Senate Judiciary Committee, Judge Jackson refused to define the word woman. This alone should be sufficient grounds for her disqualification. It is unlikely the 52-year-old Harvard-educated female federal judge has no definition or metric to identify a woman. Rather, it is probable that she has a basic biology-based definition of a woman that would alienate the radical left. See, that's the point, that she is pandering to an extreme, fringe, disconnected element of the left that can't even understand that, uh, that uh, uh, the definition of these basic words. Okay, second point, evidence shows Judge Jackson would engage in judicial activism. Now, we all understand judicial activism means that the court, instead of judging matters that are set down in the Constitution and in the law, uh, tries to rewrite either or both. Legislating from the bench. Instead of letting the laws be made through the people and their elected representatives, they make it from through their, through their court decisions. So the letter says, during the Senate confirmation process, the burden of proof rests with Judge Jackson to convince the Senate that she is fit for a lifetime appointment to the Supreme Court. Specifically, Judge Jackson must convince the Senate that she would accept and function within the constitutional limits placed upon a justice. The Constitution provides that, quote, the judicial power shall extend to all cases in law and equity arising under this Constitution and the laws of the United States. End of quote. Simply put, the Constitution confers judicial power upon judges to decide cases, but prohibits them from exercising legislative power. Um, legislative power, which Article 1, Section 1, assigns exclusively to a Congress of the United States. Judge Jackson's judicial philosophy is called into question by numerous factors and is highlighted by the following two concerns. First, she was mentored by one of the most activist justices in the history of the Supreme Court, Justice Stephen Breyer. 
Justice Breyer literally wrote the book, Active Liberty, which is an apology for judicial activism. An apology, of course, in this sense, meaning a defense, not an I'm sorry for. Yet during the entirety of her testimony before the Senate, Judge Jackson failed to renounce the activist judicial philosophy of her mentor, Justice Breyer. And third, Judge Jackson's poor judgment is evidenced by her lenient sentencing of child porn offenders. She has a pattern of issuing lenient sentences for them. Her sentencing was consistently well below both the congressional sentencing guidelines and the prosecutorial recommendations. This prompted Senator Hawley to conclude, this is a disturbing record for any judge but especially one nominated to the highest court in the land. Sending child predators to jail should not be controversial. The letter concludes there is ample evidence that Judge Jackson should not be confirmed to the Supreme Court of the United States. Accordingly, we respectfully ask you to vote no on her confirmation. And so various conservative leaders had signed this uh, the other day and including myself. That's something that I thought you'd be interested to hear. Let's keep this matter uh, before the citizens. You know, it's a problem, isn't it, with the, the party. It's not, it's not simply one particular president, one particular nominee. That, 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 that's not the, the essence of the problem. The essence of the problem is that the two major parties in our country have two very different judicial philosophies. And this one, the activism, uh, the pandering to the radical left, uh, the inability to discern basic truths, is very destructive. And it can lead to all kinds of rights that don't exist in the Constitution, all kinds of decisions that are not ultimately for the good of the American people. All right, well, let's transition here, uh, brothers and sisters, into the... Um, speech that the president gave the other night in Michigan. It was, it's a fantastic crowd, as there always are at these rallies. It was a fantastic speech, uh, as they always are. He was in Michigan, and the speech focused, first of all, very, very much on election integrity. That was one of the very strongest themes that President Trump reiterated uh, as we get further and further into the midterm election season, two things are happening. First, the primaries are ramping up and various states are now starting to get into uh, even early voting for the uh, primaries. Texas already had its primary and a lot of other states will be starting up in a few weeks. But even now in April, we have a lot of uh, voter registration deadlines for the primaries and uh, and we have um, the uh, primary or the early voting for the primaries getting started. If you want to know the dates of the various uh, voter registration deadlines, early voting uh, getting started, and the primaries themselves, look on our website. We have a main website called Pro Life Vote. Dot com And on there, you'll see the link to the election calendar, or you can go to stateelectioncalendar.org. And state election calendar 
is going to have the um, uh, details that uh, I just mentioned. We have them organized there by state and also by date. So President Trump knows that as we are getting deeper into this um, primary season, and, and with along with that happening, you also have another thing happening, which is that the states are starting to wrap up their legislative sessions. And in a lot of those legislative sessions, voter integrity and election integrity bills have been introduced uh, and uh, debated and passed. Very important activity that I hope you've been engaged in is still time, of course, uh, in many places to check with your state legislators and see where they are at with this process of passing bills that would strengthen the protection of your vote and see what help you can provide for that process and informing your fellow citizens and supporting le good legislation. So he focused on this very, very much. And then just some of the highlights was taking some notes while listening to uh, the remarks. Do you want high crime, high taxes, high corruption, high incompetence, then vote for the Democrats in the election. This is the pattern now that we can uh, identify. Uh, the president went over some of the highlights of the four years that he was in office, reminding people, and we should never tire of reminding people because again, it's a party issue. It's not simply, oh, well, it's this president versus that president, or he was able to accomplish this or that. It's a vision that is different from one party to the next. The lowest numbers of recorded, uh, ever recorded, the lowest numbers of illegal immigrants happened under President Trump with the construction of the border wall on our southern border. The lowest numbers of illegal Nothing against immigration, nothing against immigrants, but against breaking the law. Against breaking the law. Do it legally. Energy independence for the first time in our history as a country happened under President Trump. We became the greatest exporter of oil and natural gas. You remember how many years we've been, we would be thinking of oil. Oh, it's the Middle East. Oh, we're dependent on them. Oh, we hope things will go okay in that part of the world. Why should our ability to have energy rely on what's going on in another country? We have it. We have the resources here in America. We have to have common sense policies that harness those resources. The president also took, talked about uh, uh, an action taken by Biden just uh, in, in these very days, removing what's called Title 42 protections. And this has to do with just letting more people into the country, which is what, uh, what the left wants to do. Again, we have nothing against bringing people into the country, but do it legally. And uh, just... Um, just happened, and he was able to comment on that right away that very that very day on Saturday uh, night, and pointed out that about a million people a month now are pouring in to our country. Many of them are, in fact, 
criminals and we're not keeping our communities safe from these people. Now, remember, he was giving the speech up in Michigan. You might say, oh, that's pretty far away from the southern border. Yeah, but this impacts them as much as it impacts any of us anywhere else in the country because these people are coming in through the southern border, but then they're being sent to all different parts of the country. And they're settling next to our communities and near our families and near our children. And it's like, who are most of these people? If we're not vetting them as we come into the country, uh, as they come in, we don't know who they are or what kind of background they have or what kind of intentions they have as they come in to our land. So this is these were two of the big things that the president was uh, speaking on. You know, he summarized things this way. So the Democrats, this, these Democrats that are in power now, don't know what they are doing, and nobody seems to understand why they're doing it. And he repeated something that we've talked about here on this program, and that is to understand some of the policy decisions and the methods of governance that are being used, if you can call it governance at all, can only be understood if you posit that these leaders hate our country. I mean, it's the only way that makes sense of a lot of these things that are going on. And it's a sad thing to have to be able to uh, conclude that. One of the things that President Trump pointed out furthermore in the speech was about ICE. The, the, the agents who are so heroic going in as they do to these nests of violent gangs and getting them out of our way, getting them out of our communities, getting them out of our path, these violent gangs and, and, and uh, uh, violent people, well, they go where they are and they get them out. And these are heroic uh, and brave people. And of course, the left wants to abolish ICE. And uh, President Trump said when the Republicans get back into power, they will increase funding for ICE and for these brave people who keep our communities safe. If you took the worst, the five worst presidents, the president had said this before, he said it again Saturday night in Michigan, and you put them all together, they would not have done as much damage to America as Biden has been able to do uh, since he uh, came into office a year ago, January. What is happening, and this was a key point of the talk the other night, Saturday. And it's a key point of this program when we come together to pray for America. He said what is happening, although it is unbelievable in the magnitude of its, first of all, its, its ineptitude, but in the extent of the damage being done, while it's unbelievable, it is not irreparable. It is not irreversible. We can still and we will turn this around. That is a sense of hope, of confidence, of determination that's absolutely necessary for us at this time. And I want to pray together with you that God give us that sense of confidence and determination. The things going on are unbelievable, but they are not irreparable. And he said several times at different points in the speech, that we have to have that hope, that we have to have that confidence, that we can build America back bigger and stronger and safer and, and uh, uh, more effective than ever before. Bigger than ever before. He did it during his four years. It can be done again. And that's where we have to have 
tremendous amount of confidence. He said, you know, it was it was fun to make so much progress for America. You 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 know the 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 table book uh, which we've talked about on this program. He mentioned it in his speech. Our journey together, a beautiful photo book uh, that uh, documents the first four years of 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 President Trump's uh, presidency. The accomplishments, the historic accomplishments. Looking at that, rejoicing in that, he said, you know, it wasn't fun to have all the attacks launched against him, the fake investigations, the hoaxes, you know, the opposition of the media and of the Democrat Party. But it was fun to make all that progress for America, for our families, for our vets, for our security, for the unborn, for our religious freedom, for our standing on the national stage and for world peace. It was fun to make all that historic progress. One of the historic points of progress that he took some time to go into, again, to remind people, just as one example, was right to try. So, you know, we have some of the best medical and research people and scientists in America, as you can find anywhere in the world. And they're always doing work, experimenting and researching and and testing and developing new drugs to fight various forms of disease and to keep people alive. So if you have somebody with a, a terminal illness, a serious condition, and all the medications that we have that are approved and out there on the market do not accomplish what they need to accomplish for that person and they cannot save their lives. What if something is under development, is, is under trial, hasn't been officially approved yet? Should they not have the right at least to try it? Knowing that there's risk, knowing that it's not uh, officially approved, but why not give them a chance to try it if they want? Now, this was not a new idea. The idea had been in discussion for over four decades. But, you know, there was always the concern that, well, you know, the country will be uh, uh, liable or the company will be liable. So President Trump said, well, why don't we solve that by just having uh, uh, people sign a waiver not to uh, uh, subject the, the, the country or the, or the company to any kind of liability if, if uh if these drugs don't work or if there's harmful effects. Secondly, I mean, as far as the pharmaceutical company itself and the the record, its track record, they were saying, well, its track record would be skewed now because you've got these, these unapproved uh, uh, drugs now being... Uh, being used within the same statistical pool as the approved ones. He said, well, keep separate lists. In other words, where there's a will, there's a way. You really want to help these people. And now this has helped save thousands of people. You really want to help. You really want to make a change. Then go for it. Figure out a way. There's this determination on the part of President Trump to get things done. That is such a refreshing change from so many politicians who seem to have a determination not to get things done. A determination to talk, talk, talk and not act. Or to talk, talk, talk and try, maybe sincerely try, and not be able to accomplish it. Or to cower in the corner when some enemy or opposition or obstacle comes along.
One of the big obstacles the president pointed out again in his speech is that we don't have a fair press. He said, how much more could be accomplished for the good of America if we had a fair press? He pointed out that under his administration, we had the biggest tax cut and the biggest regulatory cut in history. And more jobs than ever before in our history. Things were so good. Things were so strong when President Trump left office that all the Biden administration had to do, as he said, was just sit back and go to the beach. Go to the beach. We should have some signs you know, that just say, go to the beach. And what that means is you had it all in place. Why did you go destroy it? Why did you go trying to reverse so many of these things? What's the matter with you? And again, the only way to understand some of these policy decisions, some of this dismantling of the most secure southern border, of the strongest military, of the best economy, of energy independence, of the right to life, of religious freedom. One of the only explanations of why a group of people, leaders and the associates that work with them, would go about dismantling things when we had them so good was that they really don't want what's good for America. They really don't love this country, but hate it instead. He pointed out the danger of what the Democrats are proposing with the largest tax increase proposal in history. Now, the president was in Michigan. And so what he did, as he does in all these various rallies, depending on where he is, is that he introduced various candidates for public office. And what was characteristic of this Michigan talk the other night, and again, by the way, have you seen it? If you haven't seen it, go to presidenttrumprallies.com or look here on RSBN. If you're watching me on Right Side Broadcasting, obviously the... Uh, uh, the recording of the talk is here together with all his other past rallies. But take the time to watch and share or get some people together to have a, a watch party. This talk from Saturday night He's up in Michigan. So what he did was he did introduce candidates as he usually does at these rallies. But he pointed out, he says, I don't know. I don't do this all the time. He says, but I want to focus on some state races. And remember, I said at the outset that one of the key things he focused on in this uh, talk was election integrity. And so he looked at Michigan, particular for two offices, Secretary of State and Attorney General. Uh, and he had some great, great uh, portions here of the speech where he introduced the candidates that he's endorsing for these positions and had them speak and said, these people are going to really do well for Michigan when it comes to the enforcement of laws and particularly election integrity. And, uh, you know, some of the ideas that were shared there in that uh, part of the rally were that President Trump teaches us something, how not to be afraid. People, so many people are afraid they're afraid to be canceled. They're afraid to get opposition. They're afraid of their own shadow. It's time to fight back without fear and with a little bit more 
uh, push, with a little bit more uh, ferocity, if you will, uh, to stand up for what is right. And this is one of the lessons, of course, in the MAGA movement. The president then went on to talk some more about uh, the, um, the way that his trade agreements were much better for America, getting out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which uh, would have continued to do so much damage to our auto industry, replacing the NAFTA agreement with the USMCA. Uh, fantastic things for our trade agreements, for our uh, economy, for the good of America. And then went back to the theme of not losing hope. This is something, we're going to pray about this now, not losing hope, knowing that as we stand up for things like parental rights, he pointed out he was the first president in history uh, to, to, to ban, it was the first ban anywhere in the world, in fact, on critical race theory. And that with Republicans back in power, this, 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 this corrupted system of ideas that we are inherently racist would be banned not only from schools, but from the military and from government agencies all up and down our system of government. And he really described this well as a war on reality, a war on science, on children, on women. It's a war on reality. It really is. When you think about these, and you know what was the original war on reality? The idea that a baby is not a baby. How do we get some of these strange ideas? Just the complete rewriting of history, the complete rewriting of reality. We wouldn't be able to say the things that are being said today if we hadn't been saying for 50 years that a baby is not a baby. And this, of course, in the whole right to life and abortion uh, issue is what has been going on for way too long. What do we have to do? Bring about a landslide in this midterm election so big that the other side cannot overcome it, whether they are honest or dishonest. What do we talk about in America today? Do we want to talk about freedom? Do we want to talk about prosperity? The pursuit of happiness, family, faith, our future, making our way in society with the tools and opportunities that are given to us to a life of service and prosperity? Or do we spend our time talking about race and division and all kinds of, of things that just end up casting us down and dividing us? The question of what we talk about is an important barometer of where we are as a nation. And the president brought that up too. So watch the speech. Go to presidenttrumprallies.com to watch uh, this and all the speeches. And remember to mark your calendars for this coming Saturday, April 9th, when he will give yet another rally speech, 7 p.m. And that one will be uh, broadcast here as well, of course, from, from North Carolina. So let's pray. Father, we, we, we do ask you for that spirit of hope that the president pointed us to. A reality, Lord, in our, in our sight, in our vision, in our understanding, 
of how seriously wrong so many things are, as most of the people in our country right now believe that we are on the wrong track, uh, Lord, we, we, we ask that we see that clearly and that we let nothing take us uh, uh, away from a true vision and understanding of things. But that in looking at that, we realize that although so many of these things are unbelievable, they are not irreversible. That we have at the same time a distress over the destruction of economy and security and the border and the military and so many things, Lord, that are going wrong. We have a proper distress over those things, but at the same time, a serene hope, a serene confidence that we can turn things around, that we will turn things around, that we will come out, and Lord, we pray that this be the case, come out in such great numbers in this election that the other side cannot overcome it, whether honestly or dishonestly, that we will be able to claim back the House, the Senate, and our nation in this election, the White House in 2024, for the purpose, Lord, not of collecting uh, power, uh, for the purpose simply of serving, not for the purpose of ruling, but for the purpose of preserving this great nation. We pray for these things. We pray for the spiritual strength to have that positive, determined attitude that we can turn things around and that that attitude, Lord, will make us active, active in registering voters, active in getting out to vote, active in educating our fellow citizens about the implications of our vote, about the differences between the parties, and about the clear difference between what is right for America and what is destructive of America. Lord, we pray this now intensely and with confidence and united all together as we are from coast to coast. We pray this now intensely in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. And we pray now the words Jesus gave us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, friends, for joining me on Praying for America and connecting with me on social media. FR Frank Pavone is the address. Connect with Right Side Broadcasting at RSB Network. And please be sure to spread the word about this program and join us again tomorrow. God bless.
we have Father Frank Pavone, someplace there in the audience. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Follow him, Father Frank Pavone, F.R. Frank Pavone, on Twitter. He is the National Director of Priests for Life. Please go to priestsforlife.org. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.